And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, of course. The program that brings you new paradigms for a new world as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true as we look for those new ways of living. And we come your way Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. We are streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Oh, don't forget about the 9 a.m. Wednesday edition. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We also podcast these programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And quite honestly, just too numerous to mention. But we're also on YouTube. Tell Me Your Story is the name of the channel where you can watch these interviews. You can really kind of get to know us a little bit better by seeing our faces and our expressions and, and the, the gesticulations that I do. I, I, even when I'm just doing radio, ladies and gentlemen, I'm moving my hands. So there you go. So you get to see all of that on uh, YouTube. So uh, be, And subscribe if you can. We'd greatly appreciate that. Also, if you'd like to support the work that we're doing, if it resonates with you and you'd like to be a part of uh, this, um, I'll call it an energetic movement to change the world for the better for all. We have a PayPal account. It is for your security as well as ours. And um, when you go to PayPal and uh, they ask you for the email address of the person you want to send to, put in my email address. It is so easy. Richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And we also want you to spend time during this, the decade of perfect vision, Spending time going within and listening to that still small voice. Well, today we're going to go sort of within and without. And we're going to listen to maybe not such a still and not such a small voice of Susan P. Lack. Lacks, and she has a book. It's called The Heart's Landscape. It's an invitation to the gardens of moments. And I want to welcome you to the program. And again, I, I'm always excited when we're talking with someone from somewhere else on the planet, aside from the United States. You're all the way in uh, the Middle East, in Israel, is that right? Yes, I am. I'm in Tel Aviv. And um, actually, usually it's much warmer here, but the winter here has stayed. So for the first time I can remember, it's colder here than in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't happen very often, I'll tell you, because New York can get yeah. pretty darn cold. Uh, no, but I love it. I love uh, speaking with folks. Now, are you Israeli? So I am. Because I'm I just am picking Israeli. up slight, a slight accent. I am. Well, when I say Tel Aviv, you hear the accent. I do. It's beautiful. <laughs> yes, I, I am Israeli. I grew up here on a kibbutz. Um, for those people that don't know what a kibbutz is, it's a communal farm. Um, okay. And and I moved to the States um, in the late 80s with my partner in life and love and two of my daughters um, because of an illness that was happening. And we were hoping to get help. And life offered me to stay there for various reasons. Mm. So I live in between the two countries. Well, uh, I am one of those who I've heard the word kibbutz many, many times, but was never sure what the definition was. Now I know, communal farm, and that's a beautiful thing. And there's nothing wrong with com uh, <laughs> commune 
ism. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, don't <laughs> don't you dare get me wrong here. Um, this is a, it's exciting to have you on the program to talk about uh, the hearts a a hearts landscape. It's a hearts landscape. Whose heart are we talking about here? The human spirit. Ah. And the human spirit. How did you come to, shall we say, map out the landscape of the heart, the human spirit? What, what were what were the the initial findings or discoveries that propelled you forward? So, at a certain time in my life, after I had helped build up a company a shoe company called Me'ot, which is an Israeli shoe company. Um, I decided I had another calling. And I said, I have to listen. And I was listening to my heart. And I went back to study. And I studied spiritual counseling. And with the spiritual counseling, I began practicing an intensive heart and mindfulness and awareness. And once that becomes part of our routine, we start listening to the hearts mm. of the human spirit in a different way, and a beautiful landscape is painted. It makes me think of the of of the. Of course, it's a movie title and a whole different subject of a beautiful mind, and in this case, it's a beautiful heart. And that's what we really want to connect with. And I know too, and I'm sure through your study, your research, and all of the wonderful things that have brought about this beautiful. I, it's a beautiful hardcover. I want to say coffee table book, uh, but nonetheless, uh, it, it doesn't have to be. But this is beautiful book uh, about an invitation to uh, the Garden of Moments, which is kind of what makes things up. But when we talk about the heart, many, many people, uh, for example, um, Greg Braden, who we've had many times on this program, has talked about how the discovery has been that the heart seems to be sort of the, from a physiological standpoint, science is sort of proving, even though we can't really put our hands tangibly on the soul, it seems as though, in a manner of speaking, that's sort of the, 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 the seat of the heart. It may envelop the whole phys <clears throat> physical body and then even go out, but it's kind of like it resides there. Its, it's roots are there. So... I really believe that we are one holistic being. Mm -hmm. There's a heart, there's a soul, there's a body, there's a mind, there's movement, there's senses. It's all there. So it's all connected. Mm -hmm. For me, it's all connected. And I do believe that the root of who we are, the root of who we are starts way someplace within us, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the soul is the platform. The soul is the platform, and the heart is a way that it is expressed. Mm. And I believe when people say to me, you know, I'm not spiritual, well, we all have a spirit living within us. Mm -hmm. It's just about tapping into that part of us. Exactly, exactly. If you are just joining us, and my goodness, uh, I'm glad you have. Early, uh, we're talking with Susan Lacks. She is uh, uh, an author of a book that... Uh, uh, you know, I, I I try to tell people that these are not infomercials, okay? And I'm not in agreement 100% with every single one of my guests. That's the whole point of this. It's a conversation. 
But when you put out something like this, I have another guest who's got a massive, even larger book than yours. And I don't even mean dimensions of uh, height and width, but depth as well. It, it's a huge, it is a coffee table book. You could use it as a coffee table. Uh, and it's like $125. But yours, it's just, it's beautiful. And you can hold it in your hands and flip through the pages. It's made up of, uh, it looks, and now I'm just looking at the structure, it looks like it's made up of poems. Am I correct? So actually, these are part of my, I send out something called morning inspiration mm -hmm. three times a week. And I've been doing that for 13 years. And for a number of times, some of the people that receive this morning inspiration said to me, Susan, why don't you just put them in a book? <laughs> and they started out just as moments from my life, mm -hmm. just telling a little story or a couple of words to make a good moment in someone's moment. And slowly I evolved and they became from stories and then they became into prose and into poems. And it's a mixture in there. Yeah. It's a mixture. And I remember the first time I showed it to somebody, they said, wow, you write really different. You write as if it's happening at that moment. And this book is a collection of my moments and a collection of my thoughts in moments of awareness mm. and with an intent, Richard, to really change a moment for someone or to make a little more good in a little corner of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because That's good what is we're... contagious. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do. That is right. exactly what we're trying to do. All of us, I think, who are sort of in this movement, if you will, you know, uh, this this desire to um, see things differently, you know, to to bring about a world that is, I'd like to say, free of the kinds of things that we're experiencing experiencing in the world today in terms of the human the human drama okay i don't think there's a lot we can do in regards to the microscopic world of uh, viruses and bacteria and this and that and the other but when it comes to human interaction it would be nice to be able to live in a world where we're not constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. Okay, who's going to invade who now? And who's going to take over who? And who's going to subjugate uh, and take away someone else's sovereignty and, and independence and so on and so forth? Um, so go ahead. So I, Richard, I, I'm a true believer of what you just said. I really, it resonates with me. And I have dedicated most of my life um, from the age of 15 mm -hmm. <laughs> um, being an activist mm. um, and an activist um, for humanity, but also an activist for, you know, in, in Hebrew, there's a saying and in Judaism that it's our job to fix the world, to be a better world. Mm. And I see that as my obligation as a person who has been given the gift to be in this earth and this world to make it better. Yeah and to keep making it better. Yeah. And it gets very hard. And I, as a grandmother of five children, five grandchildren and three daughters, um, I, no. I have to keep working to try to make this world better for them. Yeah. 
I don't and believe I, you. I, I don't believe you when you say you're a grandmother. You don't look like a grandmother. <laughs> oh, thank you. I am a proud 63-year-old woman. I'm 61, um, so there you go. And it, it's beautiful to be in this. Yeah. Um, but I think that if I can offer someone who is going through a challenge um, and to help them find a way from within their own self yeah. to bring a moment of joy, then maybe the moment after will be joyous and the moment after mm -hmm. and the person they talk to and it becomes, and then how wonderful would this world be if it was made up of moments of joy? How wonderful would that be? A Heart's Landscapes, the title of the book, SusanPLax.com is the website. Uh, we're talking with Susan Lax on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, it's a pleasure to have Susan Lax with us here to talk about an invitation to the Garden of Moments. And uh, the moments you spoke of uh, just a moment ago having, having to do with joy. There's a phrase that um, someone uses with me quite often, uh, especially when, uh, going th when someone's going through some rather challenging times, is, um, is basically to um, uh, don't let someone steal your joy. Okay? Don't let them do that. And, uh, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's great for you to say, don't let someone steal my joy. How do I do that? How do I keep them from stealing my joy? I, I don't, I, you know, it's like, I can't so, hold it. I can't hold it in my hands and protect it and then put it in a box somewhere, you know, because I want it out in the open. And I want other people to experience the joy and the enthusiasm uh, that I experience in my life of thriving. Joy is not something we can buy. It's right. not something we can search for. Joy lives within us. It's within us. We just have to invite it. We just have to tap into it. And I always say, if you make room for joy, it will appear, right? And if you own your moment, no one else can take it. If you own your moment, no one else can take it. Yeah. And if you own your moment, you can invite into that moment whatever you want. Yeah. And it's not up for grabs. I was challenged not long ago, and this, this deals with these moments that we have. Um, mm -hmm. They said to me, so what about all of the mistakes that you have made, Richard, in your life? And I've shared this many times on this program since this happened. And at first I didn't know where well, my response came from, uh, but I have since found where it comes from. I said, well, you know, I hate to burst your bubble, but I haven't made a single mistake in my life. Not one, which seems impossible. How is that possible? You know, I says, because I don't make mistakes. I have learning experiences. I have life lessons. Now, this opens up a whole new realm for us as, as far as our higher consciousness when we say, and I don't say that presumptuously, mind you, I'm putting it out there for everyone to ponder and for themselves, how it, how it will work for them. If I'm not making mistakes and I recognize that Susan is not making mistakes and Susan and I have an interaction, a drama, okay, a potential trauma drama, as they call it, but I recognize that we're both having learning experiences or life lessons 
I don't have to forgive her for quote unquote wronging me. I can look at her and say, hey, she's just going through her stuff. Stuff has come up for her. She's learning about how to, you know, deal with this, that, or the other thing, the traumas from her childhood, whatever it is. And the same thing with me. I don't have to forgive myself for doing the same kinds of things in the reverse, so to speak, because it's life lessons. So I don't have to waste my time or energy in that aspect of forgiveness in spite of, of course, and this is where the consciousness was then, uh, the biblical adage in the New Testament of, um, uh, you know, how many times should I forgive? 70 times seven. Okay. Now, I've never known anybody to keep count, but um, why would I need to forgive 70 times seven if there's nothing to forgive because we are just experiencing life lessons? And again, that's not to say that Hey, I agree with and and and, and uh, uh, believe everything that Susan says and the, what she does and all of these things. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying we recognize our humanness of of one another and what we're doing here. So, I think with an attentive heart, Richard, when we are when we practice attentive heartedness and awareness, mm -hmm. we can look at someone and say everyone has their own story. And no two stories are the same. Mm -hmm. No two stories are the same. And that's what makes the universe unique when it comes to the human spirit and human beings. They were all different. It would be an extremely boring life if we were all exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And there's no right story or wrong story. However, the story has pages. And what was, there is nothing I can do about to change that. And I don't know what will be tomorrow because I, I can't, I can't possibly know exactly what's going to happen. The only power I have is right now is what is happening in this moment right now. And therefore I talk about the schoolroom of our soul where there are lessons that we learn. And these lessons that we learn allow us to look at someone and say, yes, like you said, there's a story that you have. And yeah. I can't be responsible for that story. I can only be responsible for what I do and the intent that I have. However, I have to disagree a little bit with you okay. about, about forgiveness. Okay. I think forgiveness enables me a freedom. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Okay. It is really about me saying, hey, it's over. It's gone. I'm not going to keep that with me. It, it's out there. I want to make more room for joy. So the forgiveness, the forgiveness is, is sort of getting rid of the list. Yes. Yes. And because, you know, the more we hold on to it, and we call it forgiveness because lack of another word, we could call it something else. But it is something that allows me to then look at you and say, you know what, I, there may have been a moment that, that my heart was offended or hurt. Mm. It could have been, but I don't need it anymore. Ah, okay. I can, and uh, I can free it. Yeah. And then I have room for joy and I can look at you and say, can we have a glass of wine together now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I see, I see where you're, uh, where you're coming from on that. And I can certainly, I'm, and of course I'm not advocating getting rid of the concept of forgiveness at all. 
Because there's, uh, mm-hmm. as you've described it, I like this. As you've described it, there is a need for it. And mm-hmm. we need to have that for ourselves too. So we don't keep the laundry list of stuff that we've done in our lives. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it starts with ourselves. It really starts with us. Mm-hmm. That, that list, that if we have a list for ourselves, right, for anything we feel that, that shaped our dance, our happy dance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't like to call it balance because when I talk about balance, everybody says, is there a life balance? Well, then you think about a bicycle. Yeah. And a bicycle, you have to balance. So if you stop balancing on the bicycle, you fall. I don't want to think of my life that I'm always have to be careful that I'm going to fall. Yeah, I'm going to fall sometimes. Big deal. There's going to be ways that I can get up. So I like to think of it as a dance. Mm-hmm. But there's always different steps to our dance that we have to figure out which dance is right for me now. And I'm a person that likes to dance a lot. Ah. <laughs> so I have to figure which dance is going to be okay for me today with what's going on with my heart, yeah. with what's going on. We're talking with Sue Lax. SuePLax.com is the website, and A Heart's Landscape is the title of this beautiful, uh, beautiful creation she has uh, published for you to uh, get at uh, Amazon and many of the other online, as well as might even be in your uh, local brick and mortar bookstore. And uh, you definitely want to, uh, if you're if you're going to do it, get get the hardcover. Um, hard, hard copy refers to either hardcover or softcover. In this case. I'd get the hardcover uh, and uh, go through it. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful work. We'll talk more about that as we continue talking with Sue Lax here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and this is a beautiful, beautiful day to be talking about uh, the work that you have been doing. Um, you were born and raised in the Jewish tradition, Correct. Hundred percent. How has that influenced this work and the work that you do? Because I'm learning more and more. I have to t- tell you that some of my favorite interviews, and there have only been a few in the 14 plus years I've been doing this program, and the over 40 years I've been interviewing. I love talking with rabbis. I absolutely <laughs> love the conversations that I have with rabbis, be- mm-hmm. because. Because of the, 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 the depth of education as well as the insight uh, of each individual person who, who is a rabbi uh, in terms of both the Old Testament and just and, – and, and it, it's, it's like it sort of demystifies the Christianity that, that I grew up and was born and raised in. Um, I've learned about, for example, the Aleph Bet, the 22 characters, and how each letter of the Aleph Bet has its own legend, color, mm-hmm. number, vibration, a story, if you will. And you combine each letter to words, and then it creates a new legend, mm-hmm. and words into sentences, mm-hmm. to paragraphs, to chapters, to books. And how much is lost when it's translated into other languages? I mean, it, it, I mean, I can only imagine what a translator must go through to be painstakingly careful not to lose any more than they have to in terms of the meaning. And that's one of the things that rabbis share with mm-hmm. me in that regard. Talk to me about your, if, I, if this is the right phrase to use, your Jewishness. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, my Jewishness. So, you know, growing up in Israel, um, 
I grew up under the, holo- the, the dark clouds of the Holocaust. And um, there were two roads that were taken for my generation um, coming from second generation Holocaust. And one was, you could either say, thank God our family survived, or you could say there is no God and there is no religion because otherwise it would not have happened. So kibbutz where I grew up, really there was no religion. It was all about um, culture. Mm -hmm. So I grew up under Jewish culture. And in Israel, there was no need necessarily. You knew when a holiday was because the whole country just, that's what happened. Um, And when I got older and I moved to the States, I was for the first time introduced really into this other part of my Jewishness which was <laughs> learning about what you just shared. Um, and people say, wow, you grew up in Israel and you didn't really deal with your Jewish? No, I ha- I, it was a culture. And um, for various reasons. And I think that I discovered this other part of my Jewishness when I moved to the United States and I was in the minority. Mm. And I said, wait a second, you know, I have to kind of figure out who I am, my daughters, who they are, where do we fit in here? Um, and I could never get into the collective show of religion because I believe that my religion is humanity first and more than anything. Mm-hmm. And there is no difference between you and I because we were brought up with different thoughts. In the end, we both have a heart and we both have uh, love in, in us. And so we were under that umbrella for me as the same religion. Mm-hmm. But there are things that I believe that, that have formed me for who I am because I come from the Jewishness. And I all of a sudden could connect to my Judaism when I moved here. And therefore, when I went to study, I studied under the umbrella of Jewish spirituality and under the, the knowledge that I knew a lot of this because I went to school in Israel. But then there was this whole other part that had nothing to do with politics. It had nothing to do with anything except just learning where, where I came from. Mm. And um, until today, I am a progressive Jew. I believe that there are things that we can bring from what was and we can bring from what is. And I continue to uh, bring that into my everyday life. And although my practice with people at end of life and when they are um, touched by cancer, it is not only Jewish people, it is humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I have taught myself how to learn when someone wants to hear a song um, from the Quran. Uh, I had to, I had to teach myself that. Mm. Or if someone wanted to say, well, could you, my rose beads? And I learned about that. And it was fascinating to me. And at the same time, I still in my heart and in the roots of roots know who I am and where my love for humanity comes. And it comes on the basis of my Jewish roots. Mm -hmm. And I will say on a sidebar uh, note that what's really sad is uh, the fact that if anybody wishes to research or study 
other religions, specifically the Islamic faith, and wants to study the Quran, immediately, because of the era in which we still live, unfortunately, uh, people are going to say, oh, oh my God, uh, Susan, she's going to be radicalized. She's going to become part of one of those cells and be activated. And I, it's like, are you kidding me? Seriously? Um, you know, so, so what you're saying then is if I decide to study um, Zen Buddhism, I'm going to go to Tibet and I'm going to live in a monastery. They get real. Mm-hmm. We're trying to understand where we come from, where we're going, where we are in this moment. And you said something very important uh, just a few minutes ago about uh, uh, the stories. And I've, I've put it this way. We collectively as a race of people, human beings, we all experience exactly the same emotions. Yes, the intensities are different, but they're all the same. That's what makes us similar, connected. What makes us not different, but unique is what you said, the stories. And in my book, Richard, I have to tell you, you go through it, you can see I write about how I believe that connecting, connections between people are what can make corners of this world better. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I own this shoe company and um, these shoes are made up on the northern border of Israel. And the people that work in our company, they're shoes of peace. And the people that work in our company here in Israel and but especially here, are all races, are all religions, are all genders, and we celebrate life. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, it makes for a really happy, I always say that 50 people, 50 souls from different areas touch one soul of each shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're talking with yeah. we're talking with Sue Lax. Her book is entitled "A Heart's Landscape." A Heart's Landscape is the title of the book. Susan P. Lax, L-A-X dot com is the website, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I have to uh, uh, ask you a couple of things. Number one, those who are watching on YouTube can see this, but if you're listening to the podcast or listening to the radio broadcast, you can't. Tell me about the picture behind you. Obviously, it's important because you have it lit from above. Okay, so I love that you asked that. Nobody has asked that, so thank you for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is my favorite place um, in my apartment that I sit in Tel Aviv. Um, We are a horse family. Um, My youngest daughter is an equestrian rider um, and was an event rider, and my middle daughter rode horses, and and horses have taught me... um, a lot about life. Mm. And so in this painting behind me, there are horses. Mm. And I believe when you look in the eyes of a horse, oh, you can learn so much. And they've taught me a lot. And mm. so I, that is the painting you see. They it's are... done by a South African artist. Mm. And um, yeah. Beautiful, majestic animals, horses. I I love watching programs. If I get the chance to see them in person, I love to watch them run. 
Um, it's just magnificent. We have actually a slight, a slight variation there on a theme. We have a hundred pound uh, black king shepherd. His name is Angus. And he's like a small horse, and I love watching him <laughs> run. There's just something about that. Maybe it's about the freedom, just the, uh, mm-hmm. if you will, the unbridled freedom of the horse just running where they want to run uh, and I'll, doing what they I'll want share to do. With you. I'll share with you a story because maybe it can relate to that. I'm also a Reiki practitioner. As I and. Uh, okay, so you'll really appreciate this because I, I don't really use it that much. I don't have a practice. I'll use it when I'm working with someone in the hospital sometimes. But we had a horse and the horse was quite ill. And as you know, as a Reiki practitioner, people can move, they can do things, they have judgment calls, when right? And a horse is, is just will stand there. And our horse was very ill. And I was practicing Reiki on him and he turned around in the midst of this session with him and his eyes his, his came down and looked me straight into mine. And I felt at that moment that it was a dual Reiki session, even though he couldn't, <laughs> he could not do Reiki on me, but his eyes looked straight into my eyes. And at that moment, I felt a connection like no other. And I have to tell you, after that session, he took off. Mm. And it was an amazing experience talking about freedom, how a horse can teach you, if you let me, I'll show you freedom. Mm. That is beautiful. Uh, We're watching a couple of uh, 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 television programs uh, that are quite honestly rather magnificent to watch in their own right, but they are um, Western in nature. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, this is the Kevin Costner series uh, Yellowstone, and of course oh, the prequel, yeah. and then the prequel 1883, as they yeah. they they <laughs> take off on the Oregon Trail. Oh my goodness! Just to watch these horses um, and mm-hmm. to also learn about. Uh, in, in our case here in, in the United States, in the Americas, plural, the North, Central, and South America, uh, learning about uh, the Native Americans and uh, in particular how they would not break a horse but train one. In one, si- in one episode, um, the Indian took one of the horses that the white man was trying to break, okay, and he took, took the horse into the river. And he got on the horse, and the horse was certainly not happy about the whole thing, but the longer that he was out there in the river with the horse, the more the horse understood. He wasn't trying to hurt him. He was just saying, hey, we need to connect here. You know, I'll help you, and and you can help me, that kind of thing. And it was a calm, (coughs) again, using the word again, a calm breaking of the horse. There was no trauma uh, and so forth. Um, it seems as though uh, we as human beings, though, we tend to we tend to try to break one another in in various ways, you know. Um, and that's kind of what your book is about, uh, to to find ways to raise our consciousness, our awareness um, 
I, I, what really bothers me is the words that get turned around and used pejoratively um, that I don't like using anymore, uh, like awoke. You know, now it's a, it's a dirty word, uh, you know, because there are those who, you know, I mean, I'm watching, for example, the, uh, the, the, uh, um, uh, the confirmation hearing of this beautiful, beautiful black woman who is going to, she is, she's going to, she's a force to be reckoned with, in my opinion. I don't know who she is. I don't know her history. I'm just watching her and listening to her and I'm hearing and getting that energy from her that she, she's not taking anything from anybody. All right. She's not being argumentative, but she's in her power. Well, so it's interesting that you bring that up mm -hmm. because I write about owning your power in the book. And when I send out my morning inspiration, you know, people that are ill, um, many times, especially when they're facing their exit from this world, um, feel powerless, mm. feel that they, they, there's nothing they can do or right. if they're going through treatment. And we all have power of our moment. I go back to that again, just as she in these hearings is showing her power of her moment. And I think that if we realize that we, we, we have this power in us, we're not just this thing that's flying through and going through, and we can use that power to make our moments the best possible moment. That's yeah. like, cause you know, we're never going to have this moment again. This is never going to happen again exactly mm -mm. at this time, mm -mm. on this day, and in this way again. It's done. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And if we can realize that, guess what? The moment is yours, and it's up to you. Do with it. It's a gift. You have this moment. It's your gift. Yeah. Yeah. So people say to me, or families will say, but my mother, my father, my spouse, you know, I, I, I'm about to start grieving. I can't think about but how to it's just take a moment with them and make it the best moment you can. Yeah. And we can't make all the moments in our day that way. No. But we have the power. We have the power to at least one moment. Mm -hmm. One moment. And I promise anyone that is listening here, anyone, and I definitely don't have the power of this wonderful woman and kind of, that you're listening to, because yeah. I'm listening to in the aspect of a larger power than just herself, but that moment that we have chosen to make it a great moment will produce so many more. Hmm. And I have, um, you know, when I finish talking to someone usually either in an email or in a store or on a phone call, I like to leave a positive note at the end of that conversation, no matter what it's about. And I have different things that I say, but the best thing is when I say to someone, I hope you have a happy moment today. Mm. And the reactions that people have given me, and I write about it in my book, are unbelievable. Wow. Mm. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. And wow, no one's ever said that to me. Yeah. And it makes their moment different. It's interesting how we have here in the United States, uh, a document that was part of the founding of this specific country of the United States. Uh, in the preamble, it talks about uh, having these inalienable rights 
and among them, which means there are more than three, we have the right to life, liberty, and happiness. Oh, I'm sorry. That's pursuit of happiness. Darn it! I I don't understand why they couldn't give us happiness. I don't under, you know, uh, but it's it's interesting how you talk about that, and and of course everybody has their own definition of what happiness is. If you want, I suppose you could convert it. You could translate it into joy, and I would hope that people would t- take the time to unlock a moment of joy in each day, no matter how challenging times may be. And you can find out more about that through the work that my special guest Susan Lax has written about in her book, A Heart's Landscape: An Invitation to the Garden of Moments. And moments are what make up. The hours, the days, the weeks, the months, the years. I, uh, my father is 90 plus. My mother is 87 plus. They've been married for going on 66 years this June. Uh, my dad, he's not a happy camper because, you know, in his case, his body is kind of not doing what he wants it to do. But he's still he's still doing stuff. Matter of fact, I was talking with my sister just yesterday, and and she was telling me that yeah, he uh, when I was talking with him the other day, he was up and he was doing the laundry, and then, you know, and he he does the dishes, even though they well he does the dishes, he puts them in the in the dishwasher, but he makes breakfast every morning. When I was there at Christmas time, he made oatmeal for the two of us. Uh, apparently, that's where I got my love of oatmeal from my father. Um, and I think about their influence on my life, not just as far as my existence. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. But in terms of everything they represent, everything they've done, everything they've said to me, both the um, beautiful and the harsh uh, everything they've done for me over the years. What about your parents' uh, influence? Uh, and again, I don't know if they're still with us uh, in physical or not, but nonetheless, talk to us a little bit about how they have shaped who you are today and how you then in turn shape your children and grandchildren. So I grew up a little bit different, right? I grew mm-hmm. up on a kibbutz. Right. So in the years when I was growing up, I didn't live at home. We lived in a children's house, right? So, um, cause it was believed that the community would bring the children up. And also it was for safety at the time they, in the early fifties and forties to put the children in the center of the kibbutz. So if they were attacked, they would be the last to be attacked. Mm. Um, So it's a little bit of a different experience. Although I was born in the United States, I was born to immigrants. My mother came from Germany in the 30s, um, running away from Hitler. And my father um, was Cuban Mm. (laughs) and born in Poland when his family was running away um, from anti-Semitism there. And um, they were both on, they met in New York on their way to Israel. Um, they got married, they had us, and then they moved to Israel. So I was physically born here. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I said, I was born under the, the cloud of the Holocaust. Yeah. So I think that that was very, that shaped much of how I viewed um, how important uh, joy is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, okay, and how important um 
looking at what's happening now and not what was um, and not what will be. And um, I think that influence came from my father a lot. He was very Ricky Ricardo, uh, Latino, in the sense of let's just dance Mm -hmm. because we don't know what tomorrow will be. Explain it to me, Lucy. <laughs> exactly, and that's how we spoke. Oh, really? It's all truth, <laughs> really. And I don't know a word of Spanish. And then you know, he moved to Israel and had to learn Hebrew. And oh my goodness! And yes, imagine that. Yeah. And so I, I was influenced um, by my mother's. My mother was incredibly bright. She was quite the genius, and her love for words, mm. and her love for. Um, uh, uh, poetry um, was obviously had a big influence on me and always remembering that through knowledge of the word, we can learn so much yeah. and fighting for what you believe in. We're talking for it. Yeah, don't, don't stand by. Yeah. We're talking with Susan Lax. Susan P. Lax.com is the website. The book is entitled a heart's landscape here on tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I have to say that uh, two things. Number one, I hate for interviews ever to come to an end. We still have plenty of time here, but eventually it will. And obviously, I always say this to probably every single guest, and sometimes we do have them back. Um, I, I... I would love to have you come back again to talk further about uh, your life and and the things that you have learned and uh, share those with uh, myself as well as others. Uh, this is my therapy session. I want you to know, uh, and I'll I'll send you a check in the mail. Uh, but it's unfortunately it's in rubles, so it's going to be a small problem. Um, anyway, uh, I've also received some, and I'm going to say helpful guidance. Uh, from Mm -hmm. comments regarding the uh, YouTube interviews, that Mm -hmm. I talk too much, that I Mm -hmm. should let the guests speak. So I'm really working, folks. I really am. I'm working. Uh, I love to talk. I'm sorry. But I also know that my guest is here to talk, too. So I want to ask my guest. I want to ask you, Susan, uh, in Mm -hmm. reference to the relationship that you have with your community. Now, you're not living, obviously, you're not living in a kibbutz now, correct? No, I don't. You know. No. You live I what, left in kibbutz a, in the 80s. Yeah. You live yeah. in an, a, a rather urban area now? So I live in New York, in Manhattan, mm-hmm. on the Upper West Side, and I also live in Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. which is, Tel Aviv is probably the nicest city in the world, besides Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is full of life and love and good people. And, um, you know, if I am not here for a couple of weeks and due to Corona, I wasn't here. And the woman from the small market store here, and I walk in, she says to me, where have you been? Is everybody okay? (laughs) Are you healthy? There, There is never a time that I've gotten into a taxi where I have not heard the man's life story and how he's going to fix everything that is wrong here. There is this human connection for the good and the bad. And I Mm -hmm. say for the good and the bad, because sometimes we all have to have boundaries, but mostly for the good. um, That sometimes I think that 
my heart lives on two sides of the ocean. Mm-hmm. I, I, it really does. And they're connected. And I feel so blessed that I get to connect people all the time. And in my work here, besides owning a shoe company of Shoes of Peace, um, and besides writing, and I do that in the States as well, I also bring people together. And I think um, people seeing other people, talking to other people from different places in the world really allows for the growth that, you know, you talked about that you want this place to be a better place. And I think that this is what, this is, this is the blessing I have. I am very interested in talking to you a little bit about something that I saw a story on, I think it was 60 Minutes. <clears throat> and it, honestly, it blew me away. Because, and I bring it up primarily because you're there in Tel Aviv, Israel. Mm-hmm. And there was this photographer who would go around in Israel just taking pictures of normal people. For example, cab drivers, mm-hmm. uh, market um, uh, managers or workers, or I can't even think of a name for them. But anyway, just all kinds of different people in different occupations all over Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Then he crossed the wall and he mm-hmm. did the same thing with the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. And he took these photographs of each one of these people, they're primarily headshots, and he blew them up. I mean, they were huge, big poster things, right? And he went back to Israel with both sets and he put the cab driver from Israel up and then he put the cab driver in Palestine up and he asked the Israelis to tell him which one was Palestinian and which one was Israeli. And he did this with different images of different people in different occupations up and down the wall. And I believe 100% of the people could not tell the difference. Then he went to the other side of the wall. Oh, by the way, he, uh, uh, he actually got arrested initially for doing this in Israel until he was released. And before he went back to the wall to continue on the Israeli side, he alerted the news media who showed up. Then when the police showed up, they did nothing because they didn't want to be seen as I don't know what. So anyway, he goes to the Palestinian side of the wall and he does exactly the same thing with exactly the same result. I can't tell the difference between a Cherokee and a Navajo and a Hopi and a Chumash Native American, nor could I tell the difference between an Israeli and a Jew or a a Muslim from Saudi Arabia or Iran, Iraq, Syria, or a Russian, if you want to use the general terms, from uh, Ukraine or Russia, the Russian Federation or whatever other Russian country. And the list goes on, okay? I couldn't tell the difference just by looking. And yet, what are we doing? Right. So 
I think you've kind of understood where I am on that through our conversation here. And mm-hmm. I think your listeners are. And as I said, from the age of 15, I've been an activist because I believe in humanity. And to me, that's more important than anything else mm-hmm. because it is the it is the strength and the power of the human spirit that really conducts this world in the end of the day. And when we do things to crush it, we're crushing the world we live in. Yeah. And I think that that is, that is my belief. And I will never stop um, believing that we may have different emotions at different times, but there is that one 36 of a second when we're brought into this world where we have no packages. There are no suitcases in our heart. Mm -hmm. And it is in that second that I want to go back to. It is that that time that I want to be able to say, I, I really strongly believe that what I do is not only for the good of the person that I'm doing it for, it is really for the good of the world. And I really do believe that it is not up to me to judge you, but I have no tolerance for evil. Mm-mm. I have no tolerance for evil. I have no tolerance for anything that goes against uniting people. And, and that is where my boundary is, that where my border is. And that's why when I am working with someone and they come from a very different background than I am. They are a teacher to me. Mm -hmm. They only enrich my life. You know, literally, figuratively, if you want to use physics, you can use math, whatever you want. A house divided. If you cut a house in half, it's going to fall. A house divided cannot stand. And when we use the word house to represent humanity, humanity divided cannot stand and will not stand. And I'm with you there. I am not a fan uh, specifically of television and movies. I'm not a fan of the high-end dramas, uh, of the horror films, of uh, trying to scare. I know people, they, some people love to be scared. I'd, like, I'd rather laugh at stupid cartoons, okay? I was bro- brought up with Warner Brothers, okay? Bugs Bunny and uh, Elmer Fudd and uh, gonna find that wabbit. Uh, but I, I just, I just, I, I have no use for any of that. I don't, I don't want to put my mind in there because, believe it or not, when my wife and I are watching TV, we're watching one of the programs she likes to watch, which is in that area. When she goes to sleep, I turn the sound down or put my earbuds in and I watch the stupid cartoons like Family Guy or The Simpsons or um, Hank uh, or, or uh, King of the Hill or whatever. A cartoon. It's kind of like rinsing out my mental palate. Okay? I need to laugh. I need to be able to rest easy in the thought that there is joy in the world. There is happiness. I... I have been accused of being naive when it comes to people who have taken advantage of me. I, I just don't have the time or the energy. Now, 
have I ever sat with someone and kind of vented about the person who did this, said that, what have you, da 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 Sure, I've vented, and then it's gone. I, I, I let it go. I don't want to hold on letting, to it. Letting go is, you know, people think that it takes so much energy to let go of it. <laughs> the opposite. Actually, letting go is so much easier. It just your whole your whole being becomes lighter. Yeah. It really, like it says, letting it go. Yeah. And about laughter, Trina, I have to tell you, um, I wrote about that in my book too. I think laughter is is the best healing tool we could have. Yeah. It is the best healing tool. And I say that when you know the juggling gets too heavy, just laugh. Just laugh because you can. You just know, laugh because you can. I've had I've had two diagnoses in the last two years that t- mm-hmm. were diagnosed in July of each of those years, 2020 mm-hmm. and 2021. Yeah. In 2020, it was type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. I got rid of it in a month and a half. I got That's my blood great. sugar down where it's supposed to be. My A1C, it's still there. I check my blood sugar every so often, not nearly as much as I used to. I am no mm-hmm. longer type 2 diabetic. I, I, my A1C is where it's supposed to be, 5.1, 5.7 or 5, 5.5. 5. All right, so the following year, by the way, when was the last time you heard a medical doctor say, I tell you what, you're a miracle. So my doctor <laughs> said to me, you know. That's so great. Uh, That's now so great. he's going to tell the other people who have type 2 diabetes my story instead of the story he told me about a guy who brought his A1C down from uh, uh, 10 or 11 down to, uh, I think, 6 or 7 in 6 months. I got mine down back down to 5.7 in a month and a half. Anyway, so the following year, mm-hmm. I have this pain in my just below my sternum. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. I had just had lunch. I thought, ah, oh, it's just indigestion. It'll go away. It'll be fine, you know. I'm a guy, you know. It's just it's no big deal. <laughs> I get home that night, and it's still kind of there, you know. It just won't go away. And by 10 or 11 o'clock or so, uh, I said, yeah, it's kind of there. It hadn't gotten any worse. It's just kind of hanging there. We're going to the, we're going to the ER, she says. Boom, ER. They do, uh, they do uh, I think it was a, a CT scan and then an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. You are going to the hospital because you're going to be participating in Olympic sport. It's called the gallbladder clean and jerk. <laughs> Highly infected and a golf size, golf ball size gallstone. Wow. Now, I bring that up to talk about the laughter part. Before mm-hmm. the surgery, mm-hmm. when I would knock the book onto the floor. <laughs> After the surgery, I would knock the book on the floor. <laughs> that was the, and, and of course, from a metaphysical perspective, the gallbladder and the liver as well are sort of the seats of anger, if you will. That's where sort of anger resides, the bile mm-hmm. in the system and so forth. Well, I don't have a gallbladder anymore, you know, so, which was really I, I was very much aware of that change in me. Talk to me about um, the, 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 not only, you've, you've already talked about the laughter aspect. You and I are in agreement there. Someone even said to me, I really like your laugh, Richard. I really do. I don't have a problem with it myself. I, I kind of like it. But the, what about these other emotions? Um, in terms of, A, 
our getting stuck in them, but also be the importance of them in our lives. Because if we didn't have, I mean, if they weren't important, we wouldn't have them, right? Right. So emotion, I think, you know, like if you have a, um, you have a bowl, right? And the bowl holds all the fruit that you're, you're eating, right? We put it in a bowl. So our soul holds all these emotions that are in our bowl, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes an emotion can be a little more ripe than another one. But the emotions that we have are what allows us to take one step forward, one step sideways, or one step backwards. That's really, it is the food to our being. It is the uh, uh, air to our, our heart. It is with each emotion, we get to grow a little bit, no matter what it is. It is a language between our head and our soul. You know, between our head and our heart, there's this road that goes back mm -hmm, down, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we get stuck in that road. Yeah. It's like a traffic jam because yeah. we have a thought and then the thought goes and evokes this emotion and the emotion and there's the trucks and the cars on that road <laughs> all get stuck and they're going, yeah! Right? And, and that's, that's when that happens, Richard, is when being aware can allow that emotion to kind of say, wait, you got to rest at the stop sign here for a little bit mm. and you'll find your way, but just rest here for a little bit mm -hmm. because our thoughts like to be the bullies on that road. Yeah. They, say they like to bully. Us. Yeah. They say it's the longest 12 inches in the universe. You know, what? The, 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 from the head to the heart, it's the longest 12 inches. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And by the way, when and was, you know, you've often said to someone, I'm sure, or you've heard it said that when someone is angry or fearful, crying uh, in those emotions, oh, it's all right. You calm down. Calm down. It's okay. You, you stop crying. Da, 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 da. But when was the last time you, when was the last time you said to someone who was laughing and having a good time, all right, calm down. Stop laughing. It's okay. Life is okay. I don't know, you know, unless they're hysteric, you know, they're hysterically laughing and, they, you know, they've kind of gotten lost in the laughter, which, you know, maybe they're trying to release well, some energy. Well, I think two things. I think that crying and can make someone else uncomfortable, right? But when you are looking, when you are with an attentive heart and a, uh, an, a, an aware heart, you know that it's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. And then you're comfortable and there's no need to say to someone, stop crying. It's going to be all right. Yeah. Because when we cry, again, I'll go back to my Judaism. There is a place that we, in the tradition, Jewish tradition, that one goes to cleanse the soul. And it's called a mikveh. And, and you, you, I don't do this. I'm not a, a observant Jew in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. I did have to do it before I got married in Israel, <laughs> but um, Orthodox men and women do this on a monthly basis, um, very Orthodox. And in, in my progressive Jewish uh, world, I have translated it to say that, and when, that our tears are our own personal mikvah when we purify our soul. The mm. tears allow us to say, okay, I'm washing this out, whatever it is. 
and I'm going to make room for new. So to stop someone from doing that is stopping them from the opportunity from cleansing their soul a little bit, from making room for good. And, you know, I write in here, I have um, one of my poems in here is, don't tell me it's going to be okay. Just be there with me. Because that's all that we can do. We can just show up and be there. It's not our job to tell someone it's going to be okay. Because our version, number one, because it really doesn't help because they're in the midst of this and they don't want to hear that. Number two is, yeah, my version of okay is not necessarily your version of okay. Plus the fact I can't tell the future. I don't know exactly what. I'm just trying to comfort you. And actually keeping your mouth shut is probably better comfort in holding them. And that's what I've learned, too, is uh, I'm just going to hold you and you can say, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say to me about me. Okay, because I know those words are coming f- more from that emotion in spite of, of course, I've, I've harped on this many times on this program about how words are power. But at the same yeah. time, yes, words are power. But then you also have to take into consideration the context. If someone is in is crying, they're grieving and, and they're really upset over the whole thing and they're angry. I remember when a good friend of mine died the day after we were there in bed lying, resting, trying to recover our energy after going through that traumatic period. I woke up and I was angry that he had died. Oh, I was so mad, you know. And so we, we you know, what you're talking about cleansing the soul as well. But what I said when I was angry, was more from the anger. There was no heart-centered intention there. It was emotion-centered. And uh, I think that we need to take that into consideration so as not to take offense when the angry, fearful, grieving, whatever it is, person says certain things. Take that into context. Where are they right now? Well, and that's where I believe in practicing self, you know, hard awareness. Yeah. When you make it away, it's all about practicing, yeah. living it. Because when we do that, less and less of that situation will happen. And more and more we can hear better, we can listen better. And you know, it's it's I write in my book, I also say it's in the grasp of your hand that she will find the courage she needs. Mm. It's all. I love you it. You know, I, I I will tell my partner in life and love, just just hold my hand. Just hold my hand. Sue Lax is my guest here on Tell Me Your Story. I am Richard Dugan, your host, and we are having quite a wonderful conversation here on the program as we continue bringing you new paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, Sue Lax is my guest. SuePLax.com. That's Susan P. Lax, L-A-X, dot com. That's the website. We want you to pick up a copy of the book. Now, ordinarily, I would ask Susan, so is this in Audible? It wouldn't be the same because, quite honestly, you really, the, 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 uh, you know, we say that there's power in words, but there's also power in pictures. And there are a lot of wonderful photographs in this book that don't translate 
into words. You've really got to see them. Uh, so so uh, get yourself a copy. Go to her website. Go to Amazon and any other uh, location. Go to your brick and mortar if necessary and say, hey, would you please order Su Susan Lack's book, uh, A Heart's Landscape? And by the way, when I say, when I say order Susan Lack's book, no, it's not Susan Lax's. Okay, I'm I'm a stickler for trying to get grammar correct and spelling correct. Uh, if if the word or name ends in an S, you don't add another S. It's not Jesus's. It's Jesus apostrophe. Okay, if you're talking about Jesus cross and Jesus wine and Jesus bread and Jesus feet. It's an apostrophe. You don't need an. Uh, you don't. I, anyway, I'm I'm going off on a tangent here. I wanna. I wanna. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wanna thank you so much for for being with us here on the program. This was uh, this was a lot of fun, and and I always have fun on these programs. Yes, I. It's my therapy. I get that. Our session is just about over. You know, uh, ours is more than a 15 minute session, uh, but uh, so be it. Uh, but I thank you again for uh, sharing with us and allowing your family to have have us uh, have you on our program. Uh, it's evening there, I take it. Yes, it is. It's actually six thirty, I think now. It's six thirty eight uh, yeah. here in Tel Aviv. And um, after I finish this wonderful conversation with you, I am going to go out and have a wonderful dinner. Um, with some very dear friends, but I, I wanted to take this moment just to send out uh, energy of love and peace, um, especially to the people of Ukraine right now, oh, yes. that my heart goes out and I am doing everything I can in my small little corner of the world to help them and the refugees that are running. And um, I put my trust in people like you that are going to spread um, words of good and make this world a better place well thank so you thank you for having me and i i envisioned myself this was two three weeks ago when this whole stupidity started i envisioned myself jumping on a plane here in santa barbara to moscow landing in moscow going to the kremlin breaking in walking up to this little guy grabbing him by the ear and saying enough this is not the way we do things in the 21st century all right. If you want your own country, we're going to put you on an island somewhere where you can live the rest of your life. But we don't do this to other people anymore. OK. And of course, I know that the moment I got into Moscow, <laughs> I would be arrested and put in jail for the duration. But that's it's like that's how I feel. I, I just feel so. it's like I, 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 I would take no weapons. I would have no nothing. Just me. OK. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed the guy by the ear. I say, no, right. we're not doing this. I know. Your mother is ashamed of you. Okay? Right. Now, some so people what say, I did with that energy, Richard, what I did with that energy, because I had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did with that energy is that I made sure to organize as many um, contributions of clothes yes. and shoes and blankets and our company here in Israel, um, Naot, NAOT, we organized a huge country because Israel took in many, many of the refugees. And so people take that energy, which we can't go and do that, but let's do for those people whatever we can. 
and make their moment just a little bit better. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I do have three final questions that I would like to ask you before we wrap things up. And again, thank you so much for giving us so much time. But I need to speak with you, the listener and the viewer, to tell me your story. Thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. That's heard Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., 9 a.m. on Wednesdays. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We have podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, and many other locations. And the video casts are on YouTube. The channel is Tell Me Your Story. Look for the guy with the black hat. And then if you'd like to support the work that we are doing, we would greatly appreciate that as well. PayPal is the uh, place where you can do that. When you go to PayPal to send, they're going to ask for an email address, richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And please, for the folks in Ukraine, for the folks in Russia... For anybody you feel like you need to do so, spend some time in that quiet, still, peaceful, calm space. Listen to that still, small voice to give you guidance as to what you should do. My emotional side, my ego side, wants to jump on that plane and go to Moscow and grab that little nutball by the ears and say, that's it, we're done, you're through, you're going, you are going for an indefinite timeout, young man. Um... But uh, that's the ego part. Uh, the intuition says, stay calm, continue to do what you're doing, continue to support the work that people like Susan Lax are doing, and uh, we, will, we will all get through this. How it'll turn out, we don't know, but we do know that as long as we support one another, it's, you know, that's, that's what we need to do is continue to support and foster community. So with that all being said, as I, I now like to say, uh, Susan, we now move to the lightning round of our game show called Tell Me Your Story, where we ask those three final <laughs> questions that I ask all of my guests. You may have answered them okay. during the program. I like to ask them directly. And the first is, <laughs> sure. who is Susan Lax? Ah. Uh. Susan Lax is a member of the human spirit and of humanity. And I am a woman who is incredibly grateful for the time that I have on this earth. And I am an author, a spiritual counselor, a business owner, a mother, a grandmother, a friend, and someone who just loves to laugh. Mm. I'm with you on that last part, especially. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? My intent is to make one moment for one person better than the one it was before. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that last moment wasn't good. It just means, Correct. hey, let's just keep building it. And finally, absolutely, what is your life's purpose? Ah, I think first of all, Richard, much of my life's purpose is to laugh (laughs) (laughs) as much as possible. And I think my life's purpose is to learn from other human spirits, to touch and be touched by people's stories and hopefully touch people in my story and to make this world continue to be better than it is. Well, Susan Lax, thank you again for joining us. Folks, go to SusanPLax.com to find out more about the work that she is doing, to get a copy of her her book, A Heart's 
landscape. SusanPLax.com. We will be linked to your website as well so people can go straight there as they're listening to these, uh, this conversation. And again, thank you so much for giving us so much time. Thank you. And thank you to all your listeners. And I wish you all a moment of joy. And with that, we wrap up this edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast videocast, love Talal.